Hey, everybody, you're listening to Arts Underground. I'm your host, Katie Ganaway. Our first original episode of the year, we are back with Funny You Should Ask. And our guest today is local comedian Justin Ludlow. Hello, Justin. Hey, how's hey, it going? Good, how are you? Good, doing good, doing good. good. Okay, first things first, where are you from? I am from Huntsville, Alabama. From right Huntsville, here. and you're yeah. still here. Well, still you, here. you went away for a little Did bit, Did leave but came for a little back. while, came back, yeah. Right, right, I'm yeah. glad to have you back. Yeah, good, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad yeah. to be back. Yeah. yeah. And uh, can you talk about growing up? Did you come from a, a funny home? Like, were, were uh, parents, not, siblings? N- not really. Um, oh, okay. My dad was kind of silly occasionally. One of the funniest things that I ever saw him do was when we were on vacation uh, in Gulf Shores mm. on a condo thing we were hanging out and he went he was out on the back patio smoking a cigar and i walked out there and i, I was probably like six or seven at the time and he <laughs> he took the cigar and stuck it up his nose and sniffed it that Which way end? Wait. like the, the okay. inhaling end he took the inhaling end and yeah, shoved yeah. it up a nostril and then just like deep breath and then like blew it out of his mouth <laughs> And as a kid, I don't know why, I just thought that that was hilarious. Just the spontaneity of him, like, just totally unprompted. Mom was very dry. Okay. Very dry. Yeah. Uh, Wait, she had like a, a dry sense, humor, or she just didn't? She just didn't really yeah. laugh that much. <laughs> it's, it took a lot to get her to get her to kind of laugh about mm-hmm. about anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so she was like your toughest. Yeah, audience, she's she's yeah. definitely a a a tough uh, a tough pick. When I first started doing stand up, she came to one of the first shows and she was like mortified the entire time. Oh, and man. one of her friends was with her and, and she told me this later on that she had to like look at um her friend had to look at her at my mom and basically say like, Hey, you gotta remember something. That's not your son on stage right now. Mm-hmm. That's a different person than the person you raised. Yeah. <laughs> so and then after that mom was kinda a little bit more comfortable with it. Able to sort of detach. Yeah. 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 See it as an act versus, you know, the person mm-hmm. that she that she raised. So how did you get into comedy if you didn't have so such a, yeah. I you know, I I was very shy growing up. Um in high school, kept to myself. Mm-hmm. Um and then shortly after uh, I got out of high school. Um, I was in a, involved in a church somewhere. I was a little bit more religious at the time and and completely different story, but I'm not now at all. But I right. was uh, hung out with some friends that were, you know, a little bit more funny and, and a little bit sillier. And I kind of just started to watch comedy a little bit closer, like on TV and stuff, and just thought, like, I would like to you know, try something like this. Did you have a specific comedian or maybe like a comedy special that you would go back to just over and over? Um, at that time, I don't really think so, but, but Mm -hmm. at, at, this was probably like late two thousands and this is back when comedy central used to air people's half hour specials, Mm -hmm. like all the time. This was also at the time when comedy central was airing kids in the hall. I love like, kids in the hall. All day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like one summer between, I think like ninth and 10th grade, that's all I did. I sat at home and I watched kids in the hall all day long. Did you repeat the the jokes and the scenes for the, your friends? The um, head crushing thing, oh did that God. constantly. And then Gavin, yeah. the uh, the kid <laughs> that, that Bruce McCullough played, yeah. I... I just like that just stuck in my head. That mm-hmm. silliness of that character. I don't know why. It just it was just always something that I really admired about those guys. Did that help 
shape your ideas of what you wanted to bring to the comedy world? Yeah, a little bit. I mm-hmm. think there was definitely um, a little bit of irreverence, a little bit of silliness when like I first started. And, and around the time that I kind of like started doing some comedy in Huntsville, um, Zach Galifianakis had a special on Netflix called Live at the Purple Onion. Mm-hmm. And he would play piano during a lot of that special and tell some jokes at the same time. And I'll I'll just admit this immediately. One of the first things that I did in, in Huntsville Comedy was I got on stage with a piano <laughs> and told jokes. But the worst part of it was I don't play piano. Oh, like, okay. Zach Galifianakis can play piano. That's I don't play bold. piano. So I got up there and just mashed on the keys <laughs> and just made a bunch of noise yeah. thinking like, this will be funny. This will be mm-hmm. silly. And it got some laughs. And they were all like one-liners that I had written. Um, but I, I think I did that like twice. And then was like, mm-hmm. no, nah, I can't keep going up here and fake playing piano. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to work forever. Was that Would that have been one of your first gigs? So What was, do you remember your actual first gig? So my very first gig, I'll give you a little bit of, of Huntsville Comedy history Go ahead, here. Yeah. Um, the very first time that I did stand up was at Flying Monkey, mm-hmm. which some listeners will know as the <laughs> as the theater that was at the second floor at Low Mill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this theater, was probably Huntsville. yeah, now mm-hmm. Theater Huntsville. Um, this was probably 2010ish, maybe mm-hmm. early 2010. Um, they used to have a like poetry open mic thing that was once a month called Monkey Speak. Mm-hmm. And I had heard about it, heard that it was an opportunity to just go up and and do something and I thought, "Oh, well, I'm just going to go up there." And see what it's about. So I went like maybe two months in a row, watched some people do poetry, watched some people do like book readings, things like that. And thought, all right, this is a kind of a chill crowd, but they're not going to expect or maybe even want me to come up there and do <laughs> jokes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of catch them off guard and, and sort of break the ice. So what I did was I printed a 11 by 17 uh, piece of paper that said comedian, but it was spelled comedy A-N. Oh my so it was God. misspelled. But then I put the Microsoft Word red squiggly line under it, (laughs) and I got like a necklace kind of thing, and I I, I clipped it to it, and I wore it around my neck. So when Mm -hmm. it was my time to go up, I wore that as I went on stage. So they immediately saw it and were like, okay, this guy's going to – he's being funny or something. And I straight up said, like, hey, I know you don't typically have comedy here. You don't have anybody coming up and telling jokes and things like that. But if you don't mind, I'd like to try like a couple of minutes of stand up for you. And they were all very, you know, supportive. And of course, it was awful. You know, I didn't you know, I got like a couple chuckles here and there. But it was, you know, I, I was very, very early in the in the stand up mm-hmm. game. So after that, some other people that I that I knew here in Huntsville, um, shout out to Tom Hand and Landon Trowler and some other people who, who may not even live here anymore. We started going around to like music open mics to say like, hey, when you get done with your set, you take a break, can you let four or five of us go up and take like three or four minutes at a time? And Mm -hmm. sure enough, there was some places that would actually let us do it. And one of the places was Humphreys Mm -hmm. downtown. So we used to go to Humphreys once a week and pop in and just try to do our acts. And then it got to a point where we were, we never got like a booked gig necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would just kind of show up and say like, hey, can we, do you mind if we do stand up? So January of 2011, we all kind of started thinking like, we need to find a venue for a show. And I was like, well, Flying Monkey is a perfect 
place. Like it holds a lot of people, good stage. They got, you know, sound equipment. Like this would be a really great place for it. So I shot them an email and said, Hey, there's a bunch of us in Huntsville that want to try to put together a stand up show. Do you mind if, you know, you can give us some dates and booking and all that stuff? I didn't hear back from them until June of 2011. Oh, so wow. it took them like six months to get back to me. But then they said, we have July 15th available. Do you want that? And I was like, great, book it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we all started thinking, okay, we got to name this show. We got we to gotta put something on it. Started thinking about it. Didn't really find anything. And then it hit me one day, Epic Comedy Hour. So that's how Epic Comedy Hour. You were the Hour, father that, that's of how Epic it was Comedy born. Hour. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, July 15th, 2011, that was our very first show, sold out show. Um, and then here's what's funny. We, we had a sold out show. It took them as long as it did to kind of get in touch with us about booking. That night, they took me to the side and they were like, hey, we got August something open. Do you want that date? And I was mm-hmm. like, yep, sure do. Let's uh, <laughs> let's make that happen. So let's do this again because next month. Because you're filling that void that, you know, right. for comedy in yeah. Huntsville. Yeah. And, and at the time, I mean, there was really nothing else going on. Um, you know, there was a couple other little uh, comedy open mics that were happening occasionally, but they weren't consistent. There was no stand up live. There wasn't yeah. stand up live. There wasn't shenanigans. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. Uh, there wasn't really a good place for those of us who were thinking about doing this to go and like try this out. And it really didn't come along until you know years later. But once Epic got started and got moving. It kind of motivated some other comedians in the area to start open mics and their mm-hmm. own book shows. Homegrown comedy was kind of a... At the speakeasy at Straight to Ale. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that used to also be in The Flying Monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was there for, for quite a while. And then, yeah, now it's still going. Jonathan Silver's running that over at uh, at the speakeasy. And that's a it's a great show and a great room. But, yeah, I mean, that was, that was sort of our first... Our first gig. And, you know, like I said, we didn't really have a whole lot of opportunity then. So I was going in that very first epic. And probably this is probably true for most of the people who were on that show. We were telling jokes that we'd never told before Mm -hmm. because we didn't really have any other place to go do them. So we were going up blind like every single time, like, hope this joke works Mm -hmm. and got lucky that a lot of it did. Um, so we did a show July, August, and September of 2011. Flying Monkey was booked October, November, and December. So we didn't come back until January of 2012. And that particular show had like 340 people show up. And there was people like standing in the back of the Flying Monkey. Mm-hmm. And I remember Anna Sue, the woman who used to run Flying Monkey, Sue. she came to us and she was like, hey, there are way too many people here. We're breaking fire code. <laughs> so from now on, you can't have this many people here. Right? We were like, all right, that makes sense. We uh-huh. won't, uh, we'll, we'll try to cap this at like 250 from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was around the time that Epic really blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say March was another show that was really good for us of that year. And then April of 2012, we booked four comics from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And they all basically went back to Atlanta and told the entire Atlanta comedy scene, hey, you got to go to Huntsville and you got to go do Epic Comedy Hour. It's mm-hmm. it's like the show that 
it's it's huge and then from there we just skyrocketed and it's only Um, eight bucks it was at at that time (laughs) well at that time it might have been five still oh right right right. um and then i think we went up to eight like a couple years later and then of course now we're at 10 Mm -hmm. uh and it's byob and it's in a you know a good room Mm -hmm. um so it's 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 i I mean i'm biased but it's a good value (laughs) yeah it is how do you feel about sort of being a pioneer for local comedy in huntsville I mean, it's it's a lot of people have praised you on this show. Oh God, so, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, it's true. <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah. It's um, it, it's interesting because I, I the only thing that I feel like I really contributed was just a sense of perseverance and mm-hmm. just thinking like I want this to happen and I want to make sure that it happens the way that I want to see it happen. So I'm just going to do it. And, yeah. you know, when we went to when we were doing like the open mics and stuff at Humphreys, there was definitely people in the crowd. Obviously, they were there to just drink and, and you know, listen to music. Mm-hmm. And we would go up and we would get heckled. And there would be a lot of people who would just tell us that we were terrible and, you know, we should stop. And it didn't stop any of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people that that uh, that were kind of coming out and doing that. Um, you know, when it came time to get Epic booked, they were all like, yeah, let's do this. Like, we don't really care that we're going out and getting, you know, booed sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that we've got something in the works here, so let's go do it. And comedy-wise, what did Epic do for you personally as a comedian? I mean, it it, it gave me a chance to go up there, you know, once a month for a captive audience, try new stuff, see what works, see what didn't work. And it it sort of... It, it let me kind of understand like where comedy was in, in my life um, and 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 to kind of get like an idea about like how do I want to treat this in terms of something even more than just um, me going up there and, and, and making people laugh. I, I looked at others in on it, I, bringing yeah. in others, uh, you know, seeing, seeing other people succeed with it and everything. But I think one of the other things that, that Epic kind of did for me was I started to look at Epic like a business mm. and I, I, I wanted to create like a brand around it. And Which you successfully did. I've, and a yeah. lot of that, I have to give, I have to give Scott Easton a ton of credit because yes. Scott has made, um, uh, these other spinoff shows in mm-hmm. the time that I haven't awesome, lived here. Incredible. Yeah, Incredible mm-hmm. Comedy Hour, Awesome Comedy Hour, Comedy at the Camp. You know, mm-hmm. we got some other things that are kind of in the works. Some of these things have been put on hold because of venues and stuff right, like right. that. But um, Scott has successfully taken the blank Comedy Hour and turned yeah. it into like what we talked about years ago. You know, I, I'm a graphic designer by trade and, and mm-hmm. occup- occupation, so that's what I do. Uh, that's that's one of the things that I that I kind of focused on in 2012 with Epic was like I want there to be a logo, I want the posters to look a certain way, I want I want there to be a brand to all this. Mm-hmm. So I want I wanted people to be able to recognize what it was like as soon as they saw it, um, and I think even now, getting back involved with it after being gone. Uh, the social media presence has become just hugely vital. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to kick that up a notch, trying to make it more, uh, make us a little bit more aware so that, that people understand. Because one thing that I'm having to come to terms with is that we do not have the same audience that we did 10 years ago when mm-hmm. I you know, wasn't here. It has changed and grown. Huntsville yeah. has just changed, period. Of course, um, yeah. I mean, I left in, in July of 2012 and, and came back this past August. And it's it's like... 
it's still the city I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been some things that like, uh, like when I first got back here and I saw like stove house, I was like, that's, that's there. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, 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 that's that's just there. Like that looks like to me <laughs> I'm that like a looks monolith. like yeah. If anybody's if anybody's familiar with Atlanta, you know Pont City Market, Crog Street Market. That's what Stove House kind of reminds me of. It's not mm-hmm. exactly that, but it's mm-hmm. pretty close to especially Ponts. Um, it's just wild to me in Mid City. Like I used to go to Madison Square Mall as a kid. Yeah, I went to a World of Warcraft release party in two thousand seven for mm-hmm. one of their expansion games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now that mall is just not there. So mm-hmm. that part has been um, a little crazy, but it's also, and then talking to Scott and talking to some of the other comics in Huntsville about you know, all the other opportunities and all the other shows that are happening right now, mm-hmm. it's just crazy how much, how much opportunity there is and how yeah. much availability there is for people to go out and go to shows and create shows and, and get out there and try things. And in that time that you... Went to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do comedy in Atlanta? Yeah, I did for okay. a little while. So I moved to Atlanta in July of 2012. I mm-hmm. uh, got a job offer over there at an exhibits company. Um, and I want to say, like, my second night in Atlanta, I went to an open mic. Mm-hmm. I didn't perform, but I just went to go, like, watch. Right. Um, and a lot of those Atlanta comics, like I said, they had they had come over to do Epic. So they already knew me. Mm-hmm. So I got to do some of their shows and everything. But the other thing that, that I did, and, and I I started doing improv here in Huntsville in 2010, mm-hmm. um, around the same time that I started doing stand-up. So improv... Um, I'm way better at improv than I am stand up. Like oh, okay. I'll, that's that, I think everybody knows that. Is it a preference? Yeah, kind of okay. a little okay. bit. Um I'm not a great writer. Oh. <laughs> and, <I'm, laughs> and I have a terrible memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do I. I. I have like horror stories of me being on stage trying to remember a joke and just going into like a mild panic about <laughs> not being able to remember it. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time, but like I play know that I'm... Play it off a bit. It's okay. Yeah, just yeah. play it off like I meant to do it. Like I've, I've forgotten. <laughs> um, how long have I been up here? But like with improv, I know like... I don't have to prepare for this. I'm just going to show up tonight. <laughs> so when I got to Atlanta, I did do like a little bit of stand up with some people, but I also uh, I, I I joined uh, there was a there's a place over there called Relapse Theater. I don't I can't remember if it's still operating or not. Played there a lot. Did a lot of short form improv there. Did stand up shows there every now and then. Saw some stand up shows there. And then uh, I started taking some more advanced classes at Village Theater, which is over kind of in East Atlanta. Did like level one, two, and three through Village. Really liked them. Really liked their vibe. They were very organized. They were just a a good community. So I, I hung out with them for quite a while. And then I auditioned for a group called Banshee Improv. And Banshee was just kind of a troupe that would just play across different venues and stuff. They weren't tied to any specific location. So I got auditioned for them in January of 2014, got mm-hmm. in, and then played with them until probably like 2017. Mm-hmm. And we used to do shows like all over Atlanta. And that was, I, I swear, one of the best experiences I've ever had. And around 2018, um, I just got super, super busy with my job. I was responsible for a lot, and we dealt with a lot of high-profile clients that I was basically just like, okay, I can't really focus on comedy anymore. So that's kind of what ended things for a while, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Talk about 
any ideas you may have picked up over in Atlanta that you brought back when you came back in August? Because it seems um, like you're already like right, just slam in there all yeah. over the comedy scene right now. Trying yeah. to be. Um, I think if anything, you know, there's there's definitely some improv uh, games mm-hmm. um, and just some improv concepts and stuff that I picked up from from playing over there. And you've incorporated some of those in yes. a brand new show. Yes. You want to talk about that? So I have a show coming up on January 19th, so not this Saturday, but the next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, 8 o'clock, shenanigans, 10 bucks, rated R, main stage. I think those are all the details I can possibly <laughs> ramble off. Um, but the, the idea that I had for this show was I, I love short form improv games, stuff like that, whose lines anyway, typical type yeah. of stuff like that. But I think one of the things that I really enjoy about all that is getting the audience involved. So there are several games that, yeah, you know, you can get an audience suggestion from and you can just do your scene, but then there's other games that actually like bring people on stage mm-hmm. or have them more involved from their seat or something like that. So I worked with, I, I got in touch with a couple of my Atlanta buddies and I just had them give me like a list of like, send me some, send me some games that are heavily audience involved. And there was some that I kind of already knew. So I came up with a list of, of games that are just like, you know, we either bring somebody on stage or they're on the side of the stage or we interview them or something. Uh, Cause I wanted the audience to be part of the experience. Yeah. So so I kind of cultivated this list of games, reached out to some improvisers here, said, let's do this. We've practiced a couple of times um, in the past couple of weeks to make sure that, you know, everything's going to run and smoothly. One of the games involves a pool noodle and some pool assault. Noodle. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> voluntary assault. Voluntary yeah. assault. Yeah. So basically you pick a, uh, you get uh, two members from the audience mm-hmm. and you get two people, uh, two improvisers on stage. And during the game, there's something that the improvisers cannot do. So what we do is we send them out of the room. Mm-hmm. We ask the audience, hey, what can uh, player number one, what can they not do? Uh, so the example was the other night when I tried it at Shenanigans when I was just kind of messing around. At Comedy Test Kitchen. Yeah, Comedy right. Test Kitchen. Shout out Jason Sims. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not supposed to put my arms down by my side. <laughs> well, I didn't know this, obviously, because I'd gotten sent out of the of room. Course. So during the, I had to give kind of a, a monologue kind of thing. I put my hands down by, by my side several times and the guy who had the pool noodle just beat me relentlessly. Um, and he hit me pretty hard a couple of times <laughs> and he kept hitting me like in the same spot. So it kept stinging. The audience Saturday night loved it. They loved seeing, you know, one, for one thing, their friend up there doing part of this game mm-hmm. but then they love seeing you know physical comedy is is always funny n- is never not going to be funny yeah. especially when someone's getting hurt um <laughs> so they loved that part of it um but then you know they, we've got some other games that involve bringing some people on and then having them be part of the game and stuff like that so mm-hmm. wet noodles probably the only one that involves any kind of violence <laughs> i would think <laughs> so I far yeah so far i mean there may be a chance for some other things i'll come up with something eventually we'll just have a brawl on on stage that'll be hilarious i would I, just I don't watch think... stand-ups versus improv yeah 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 that'd be that'd be an excellent fight i don't know if kim would appreciate that at shenanigans. <laughs> um what is your ultimate goal in the comedy world i appreciate the people who want to turn this into a career and want to go out and 
you know, either become famous or, you know, in, in the case of like improvisers, you know, get on like sketch teams and, and do things like SNL or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids in the hall, things like that. Right? You know, I know that's a dated reference, but uh, <laughs> actually not because they did have a Netflix show a couple of years ago, sure. I think. But me personally, I am 100% happy doing this as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And I know that that, that kind of ruffles the feathers of some stand-ups because mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely some comedians out there that see it like if you're not trying to do this for a reason beyond a hobby, you're taking up space. So you're not interested in doing like tours and stuff no. like that, right? I hate traveling. Right. <laughs> I despise traveling. <laughs> I think uh, you're the first comedian who said that on uh, the show. I just don't I – don't, I don't care yeah. for that particular lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more than happy just – Staying here, um, supporting the scene, um, you know, d- putting on the, uh, a show every now and then that you know may mm-hmm. be my idea. I love to host. Hosting is is one of the funnest things that you can do in comedy. If I had to do like stand up forever and only host, I would be totally fine with it. And uh, I have some ending questions okay. that I ask everybody. Uh, the first one is: Do you have any hidden talents or unique hobbies? Besides comedy, oh, man, hidden talents. I would say no. Um, mm-hmm. Unique hobbies. I mean, does playing World of Warcraft since it came out does that count? I mean, sure, it's, why it's, not? I, I, I'm, <laughs> do you, do you uh, cosplay any? No, no, no okay. never, never have. I did. We did do a, a Dungeons and Dragons themed show for mm-hmm. Epic Comedy Hour mm-hmm. for our four year anniversary, and I did wear like full knight costume. Oh, nice! It was it was Where'd pretty you fun. Get that? I just Amazon and I had like a wig. I had like a wig of like long hair and was like burning up because of that hair. And I remember, and this is of course like late July. I remember going on stage and like brushing the fake hair out of my face and and looking at like these, these girls that were sitting on the front row. And I was like, how do y'all do this? How do you have hair? Just by your face all the time. Like this is annoying. (laughs) Well, it helps in the winter, I guess. I but. guess, yeah, but not in, like, the dead of summer. No, 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 no. Who makes you laugh the most in your life, Justin? Probably my wife. There will be times where we're doing something and she will randomly say something out of the blue that just catches me off guard, mm-hmm. and I will get into, like, fits of laughter. I, I've i done this thing every now and then where I will start laughing about something, and I literally can't stop. Like, mm-hmm. I'll start crying and can't breathe. And sometimes, like, my wife will turn to me, and she's like, are you okay? Like, are you, oh. you going to live? Like, I'm, And I literally cannot breathe. She did something today that caught me off guard. God, I wish I could remember what it was. But I was, like, walking away from her, and she said something. And I turned to her, and I was like, that was good. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any final thoughts or um where can people find you online? uh justin ledlow on facebook uh instagram i kind of keep a little private just because that's that's kind of just for for friends and <laughs> family um but again we're, we're having a show january 19th it's called player you at shenanigans uh that one's going to be uh the audience based improv games 8 p.m 
main stage at Shenanigans, ten bucks. Uh, it'll be a, a fun show. I need people there. Yes, it's audience based. So <laughs> I'm I am on air right now, begging all of you to come <laughs> because if no one shows up, I kind of don't have a show. You have a whole week to scrounge <laughs> up the money. Yeah, and mark it on your calendar. So folks. just come on out for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, um, Epic Comedy Hour happens every month at at Low Mill, except for this month we are taking January off. Um, but come out to to Epic and then keep an eye out for other shows that we're putting on through epic and then just you know a big shout out to to you katie and everybody else who's supported huntsville comedy over the years yeah i I know it's been a little bit of a rough ride and i know that there's been some things that haven't been wonderful but i'm so happy to come back here after being away for 11 years and see the scene the way that it is and see how it's grown and become so much more than I would have ever thought. And you set the foundation for that, and you're just going to do even more great things. I don't know. I, it's so weird you to are. be told that. <laughs> I don't know what. I can't take compliments. Oh. It's weird. Well, you suck. Anyway, yeah, so. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, thank you for coming to this show. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thank it, you for Justin. having me.